Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Getting excited for uh, IcegCon? Oh, man. Coming up. Coming up. Two weeks. I always get stressed. I'm not stressed. Anxious, I guess. Hmm. The the uh, It's been, as we've mentioned before, a, a pretty big success. And, you know, in years past, we've uh, fluctuated in numbers some somewhat. I mean, we've never been under like 15 people since okay. the beginning. But, you know... It goes between fifteen to twenty-five, and uh, sure. Last two years have been thirty, thirty-five, <laughs> and and that that stresses me. Sure. So. Now, I don't know. I I've been to your old place once years ago before I moved, but did you used to have a bigger place? Oh yeah. It okay. Was over three thousand square feet. It was a huge. Gotcha. Multi-room, big open areas. Big like and, townhouse. Yeah. No, it was a, just a full house. Okay. It had two big vaulted ceilings, mm-hmm. living room, dining room, and a loft up top to head space and family room. So we had, yeah, like a ton, just a ton of space. Yeah. Um, and n- now you're in a, a kind of tri-level ranch that's yeah. a big chunk of which is garage. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not small, but it's not. No, right. For this number of people. I mean, it's, it's more than enough space for you and Sid, but yeah, you cram it full of 30 people and suddenly, uh, yeah, you're, you're yeah. bumping shoulders with everybody. And, and I have, I have room to entertain, but just not, you know, that much. So anyway, it's, it's, it'll be fine and it'll work out fine. And it's not sure. like we have 35 at, I mean, every minute, it's just like when everybody <laughs> seems to show up in the total tally, what's it called? What do they call it? The, uh, the, um, turnstile number is what it is. Sure. So, um, and then, you know, when you, I, I, I've been, the problems, you run into more problems with, uh, things you just can't do that you may have been able to do before when you have, you know, a packed full of space, like before it's easy to say, you know, anyone can just come and stay. It's not a big deal. Oh, just crash on the floor. Right. That's considering that everyone's standing shoulder to shoulder in every room. You can't move and there is no sleeping space. I mean, it's not that bad, but you know, unless you (laughs) planned and have a reserved spot. It's that, uh, do you remember an episode of original series Star Trek where uh, the ship gets like teleported or whatever to a planet that's just packed with people? No, but that sounds great. Uh, There's like one girl, right? And she's never been in open space. Like she's walking around the corridors of the Enterprise as if it's like this vast open uh, football field. (laughs) And there's a point where they're like in the conference room or whatever, and you can see out the windows, there's just heads like, uh, you know, like the Bohemian Rhapsody video. Like it's dark mm-hmm. and there are just heads of like, a, I'm gesturing as if you could see me, but like mm-hmm. a packed crowd of people just jostling around like a crowded concert because their planet's so overpopulated. <laughs> and I'm terrible. like, I'm like, okay, I know this was a while ago, but it was the 60s. Like... <laughs> How, where did all those people come from? Like, how are they reproducing <laughs> in that tight of space? And what are people eating? Like, it doesn't make any kind of sense. And, and, and even a little bit of knowledge would make you think that that's not even a possible thing. Right, right. <laughs> a, a small amount. I mean, I've heard of, uh, you know, stretching, suspending disbelief, but that, that kind of takes <laughs> Right, care. right. Um, I mean, I think the story was mostly about Kirk falling in love with the woman, but. You know, it, it, it always is. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know 
how much you want to talk about uh, the con on the air, but I, I do have some kind of general questions about the history and the organization, but sure. we can we can do yeah. that or not. I know we've talked about sure. this a couple times last, I think we talked about it last year and the year before we had mm-hmm. uh, Mike on, your buddy Mike, to, yep. uh, Pantinas. to talk about the history and so forth. You guys have been doing this how long? Uh, I think this is 13. 13 years. 13, 13 years. Yeah, and did I mean, you always have a, the sort of organization structure that you have with, with kind of actually, founding members? and? Yeah, actually more, um, believe it or not. We had six to start off with. Um, but you always had group. you always had this kind of uh, you know, like council? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so for, for those who don't know where, where I was talking about, uh, I have gaming weekend that I have people at the house we've kind of talking about and this management Dennis is talking about is that we have now four people that, um, we are, it's, it is, I mean, you've been there afterwards, Dennis, it's like a, a little company type thing, right? It's a, uh, it's run by committee or so a club. Like when person. I was, when I was in college and for a couple of years afterward, I was, um, in a, uh, a civil war reenacting group mm-hmm. and they had that kind of structure, president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, and for a little while, I was the military officer, you know, yeah. the, ca- the captain of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. And so I was on that board as a as a tiebreaker vote. Ah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've yeah, like, you know, wow guilds. We had my buddy Sean on and talked about this kind of stuff. But, yeah, just uh, s- sort of formal, informal, um, uh, like management government. Yeah. And, so, and some of the, the, the key here is that. Um, cause anybody can just throw a, a game party and it'd be fun and a good time and you don't need a whole lot of organization, but yeah. We, like when Fox came out, we talked about that a couple of weeks right, ago. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's pretty fun, but, but we do a lot of, you know, making, it's one of those, when you have a team or a, a group of people who are running it, hosting, we'd say, um, you, it's much greater chance of success and everything's kind of curated for you or there's always you know, it's makes it's like, what's it? Maximizing everyone's fun time. Yeah, I know. I know that we've talked about that in the past. I was just curious with the, you know, I got to listen in on a little bit of the the logistical meeting, kind of post mortem. Like after you finish a project, you talk about it. It's, yeah, it's just our way of getting better and see th- things that we, you know, had done and what we should have done. Yeah, and I and, and I know I think that was when I learned that you guys have fixed number of invites and stuff like that just to control the the size you know that that's funny it, it not about every three years or so maybe four years it kind of creeps back up with the idea of that like well what is this thing what are, right. are we where are we is going it, what are, are you, our goals are you growing your own actual gen con that's going to expand into hundreds and thousands of people right right i mean you know that's how cons right. do get started yeah. things like that you know that's i um, I, and, I said that kind not, of scornfully but that's i mean that's exactly how the stuff i mean even gen con that's how it started it's like a bunch of guys that wanted to play war games started getting together and it just grew over the years yeah and it's that's not a not a bad thing you know and it may it may come back around at a post post-mortem that topic may come back up at some point here anyway it's co- to coming up in a week and week and week and a little, yeah i've, I've been doing a little bit of prep i know i mentioned a week or so ago that i ordered a board game bag from from mm-hmm. boardgametables.com i'll put a link in the 
in the show notes to that. It's not bad. It's very padded, right? I hadn't I hadn't yeah. considered that. I carry my games around in the cool stuff ink uh, shopping bags, which are perfectly sized, humongous. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, not the not the gigantic ones from AG. These are like the no, oh, they're normal okay. shopping bags, but a little bit bigger and a little bit. Oh, are they blue? Yeah. No, yeah, they're real. Okay. They're real sturdily constructed for those mm-hmm. kind of bags. Um, they are, yeah. But they don't protect the games at all. Uh, you right. know, it's just a thing where this bag is—it's um, all padded. It's got shoulder straps like a backpack, but then it's also got a duffel bag strap, which is which is kind of nice. Um, <clears throat> I went ahead and uh, and bought a copy of Arkham Horror card game. Oh yeah, I saw pictures of you posting. Yeah, that yeah. Well, I we didn't really get into this last week, but we've been trying out, or have tried out a couple of games on Tabletop Simulator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know people people have different opinions on, you know, different things and how you, uh, how you experience things and how you, I'm being ve- I'm being intentionally maybe not intentionally uh, very vague about that. Um, the the point I'm trying to make is we didn't buy I didn't buy Arkham Horror before playing it on Tabletop Simulator, um, which is a thing you can do if you don't want to buy a game and it's on that app. You could always use it that way um, if yeah. you don't mind, you know, not not paying for something. Of course, if you buy it used, you're still not paying the 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 guy who the guy that made it the company that made it but um for me it was a question of uh you know i think i'm i maybe talked about this before but when i went through the process with um the lord of the rings card game i did some research i talked to you i listened uh, you know i watched some videos and and some of that kind of stuff and i knew that i wanted it and just you know watched for a deal and i bought it used they had this listed on here for 18 bucks, half price. Whoa, that's good. And uh, th- they, it has this. It had this description on it. Uh, let me see if I still have it here. Uh, item has major cosmetic damages, but is still usable. <laughs> uh, cosmetic imperfections bigger than one inch on top, front, or sides. Cosmetic imperfection on bottom or back. Large cosmetic imperfection on the corner. And I'm like, all of that is scary. But <laughs> it's like, I remember when you sent that, I was like, this is all of the worst things you could ever think of. Why are you even right, posting this right. pile of garbage or something? Right. Um, I did get two cards that had been damaged in whatever happened to the box. Like the box got fairly well crushed on the middle of one side. It did. Um, Somebody said on that. Thing. Yeah. Or hit it with a forklift or something. Um, <laughs> clearly but i was able to flatten those two cards out and they're not cards that you use a lot and because it's me i put all the cards in sleeves anyway um mm-hmm. so i uh i got that and i'm gonna i'm gonna bring it if we can find time to play you want to talk about our, our get our movie talk about our yeah movie, let's movie? let's jump into that so we don't we don't run long i have some some smaller tv topics but we'll save those till afterward so let's do sure. our 2020 challenge <laughs> So this week we are talking about the 1939 musical classic children's film, The Wizard of Oz. I'd call it a family film. Sure. Because it's uh, definitely one that I have seen with family members more than anything. So I got to watch this 
I had the distinct pleasure to watch this movie with a 13-year-old and a 9-year-old. I know you said um, you were going to do that. How did that go? Yeah, that went fantastic, really well. Um, it just made the movie so much better. I, you and I, I'm sure, had seen this umpteen times. Yeah. So there's no big surprises or anything. Now, granted, I will say I don't think I've seen it in several years, but... Um, uh, yeah, I think for, for me, it's been at least 15 years. Oh, um, really? Okay, that's a lot like, time. Like, since I was a kid or teenager like sat and watched it all through like maybe been around when it was on somewhere but to actually sit and watch it probably not since i was a kid yeah yeah i I would agree i I, think i and i and i have a little bit of a different eye to watch it with now to kind of appreciate some things um you know background cinemas acting maybe some kind of stuff that i look at it watch it this time but i'll tell you the best way to watch this is with kids I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. She has seen this. The nine-year-old had seen this a couple times before. So she wasn't, sure. but she didn't remember a lot of it, mm-hmm. right? Like she, she knows all the, the plot of it and she knows the, the characters and the things, but she couldn't memorize all the songs and when, what goes where and when, right? <laughs> so when the, the trees throw their apples at the scarecrow and Dorothy. She had forgotten that. Right. So oh, she would right, laugh right. and, and That's funny. fun stuff. So it's, um, and then she would comment on Toto and, Oh, Toto's so cute. Or look at how he's up there on the, on the tractor, just sitting there and mm-hmm. run Toto run type stuff. Right. So it's just, it really enhanced it watching with the target audience. Um, sure. I, I, another show we'll talk about this week in is that I went and watched that movie, the Sonic movie. We'll talk later. And uh, and that's the same kind of thing. Anytime you watch, I watch a, a quote unquote kid movie made for kids, uh, that target demographic, watching it with the kids is just so much more enjoyable because you can think something gets boring and they're just laughing and giggling and, you know, watching that kind of stuff. So, right. But so, yes, this movie is a home run. I think for all ages, <laughs> um, it really is. This movie, when was it made? You said 1930 what? 39. 39. That is a long time ago, man. It's before World War II. Wow. And and I got to tell you, I, I may draw your ire for this, but mm. this old movie was a lot better than some of the other old movies that we've watched. Like, well, I, I mean, none. we've not watched anything old that's not some classic that is, you know, sort of challenging in some way. Yeah, like, that, that's what I mean is that like m- most the, mo- of the, old the movies are- that people, you know, over the years, people do their like, what are the top 10, top 20 movies of all time? Most of the other ones on the list are like, you know, stuff like Citizen Kane, Gone with the Wind, uh, other stuff we've seen like Seven Samurai or Vertigo or right. things that are impressive in some other way this is like it's the it's the adaptation of a broadway musical oh really okay. brought to i mean i don't i don't know that if it was an actual broadway musical i think that it was but just as a genre right um so you, the the other movies you compare this to are like sound of music or um what else animated films uh there's other there's other things on this list um Mary Poppins, Willy Wonka, um stuff like that. Um and you know, all of those are 
there's nothing wrong with with any of those movies um but there are i don't know a couple things that seem to set this apart it's i mean it's older than most of those other movies that i listed it does and um, it just does so many neat things and it entertains a lot of stuff it's got great what i would call graphics or yeah the know, visual um, visual all of the visual components i mean Aside from maybe a couple of Disney animated features, I bet that in the movies made before World War II, this has got to be the most watched. Oh, I couldn't imagine not. I mean, it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's... I was... What I was... What brought to mind, I think, is the the oldest one we've watched on this list. I want to say is Vertigo. Is that correct? Uh, Probably. I mean, aside from this, you mean? Yeah, aside from this, because um, Vertigo is like in the fifties, right? As I say, so so you watch. I compare it to that, and and Vertigo. I mean, it's established that I I didn't think that movie was great. I thought it was fine, but I didn't think it was great. Um, like this blows Vertigo out of the water. <laughs> you know, Vertigo yes has the dolly zoom. That's great. Has you know artistic value for you know driving down the road for twenty minutes. Sure, but but this one is just entertaining it has got great effects great story great singing great pacing direction it's got it all i mean i I couldn't think of one flaw with this movie at all yeah i mean there there are a handful of things that are you you could maybe chalk up to being in a different time but although really for being over 80 years old there's surprisingly little of that surprisingly um, little you you think that they're there i mean you watch shows like gone with the wind or whatever and there's a lot of you know period racial issues that just are or racial gender issues things. gender issue interactions all of that kind of stuff i mean it being a a family or children's story helps with a lot of that right there's mm-hmm. no like relationship stuff for any of that to, to, you know to be it's it's you know it's fantasy it's fantastic fantastical and um it but it also has a lot of that like stage um feel aesthetic um i was i was keenly aware of like oh i see how far they're moving down the road and she gets that far and then she turns and waves and i'm like that's got to be where the where the floor stops and the <laughs> and the backdrop starts like she can't go any further because the rest of that is not there um, or, or she'll go they go the yellow brick road goes around the tree and you're like that does that just ends the set right there right right and right. you see like you see behind her there's like a road going up and over and around these big rolling hills and you're yeah. like none of that is there it's it but it it so it feels very much like a play or a you know a stage musical that they brought to screen, but with all of these things, um, to make it, uh, yes. to make it more believable. But here's something too that's worth. Who are, this show's been reviewed and talked about for centuries oh, and yeah. times, but, but but to talk about it in a modern way, um, I watched it on a like high definition type version thing, mm-hmm. and. Yes, you, all those things you're talking about, I absolutely saw. But I, you know, I kept thinking, you know, when this was put out, it was much blurrier and fuzzier, and you know, you did not see as well the sets behind it. Kind of faded a lot more into it. Um, but even mm. at the high definition kind of 
stuff, things like the makeup and the outfits were uncannily good. Like yeah. the scarecrows where his face goes into <laughs> makeup goes into the um whatever his headpiece is. It really does look like his head is just a sack. It that does. They, you know. They did like, so good. It's clearly a human face, but the the head looks looks like it could be um it could be real. And, yeah, I'm like, yeah. wow, that's that is that is so impressive. Um and this is for again trying to say 1939 with what what they had there. I, I couldn't imagine anything else being anywhere close to um, as good as what this. Thing so uh, this this movie and this not I don't know it's whatever. Um, this movie cost 2.7 million dollars to make. Oh, I bet you that was a, a ton of money back then. Well, that was my thought too, and I looked on the the website where you put in numbers and years and it mm -hmm. supposedly estimates this sort of thing. It's only about 50 million in today's dollars. Oh, that, that's still a good amount. I mean, right. Which like to, to you and me, like $50 million is geez. But, um, for comparison, end game cost 350 million. Yes. And even, uh, no, no, that's visual, you know, graphic visual effects, but yeah. even, um, birds of prey, Cost ninety seven. Wow, that seems like a lot. Or had a budget had a budget of ninety seven, um, and then by comparison, the um, cumulative worldwide box office numbers were twenty six million, so ten times on roughly on its on its budget. Now I, I will say those are some big things, but like you know, a, a lot of movies, I would say the majority of movies that come out, I guarantee you they're under 50 million because a lot of the things you'll talk, you'll see, um, crime dramas or sure, um, you know, sure. romantic comedies. Those only cost like 20, 25 million. If it's just most. people talking in rooms, but of course this, this is a fantasy world, right? Like they brought, right. quote unquote, brought to life a fantasy world. They had a whole, a whole freaking army of what at the time were called midgets uh yeah. little people um to do all these things and all these costumes like a lot of really intricate detailed costume and and makeup work on all the you know people you only see in a couple scenes yeah yeah the it's here's a topic that's a little sensitive but we'll bring it up on the show is that my girlfriend as we were watching it she said do you think that if this was released today that they would call them munchkins and i was i was i was hesitant i said well i think so because Munch, like, and she even said, she said, would they call the munchkins and then would they use little people for them? Would they do hmm. something else? And I was like, well, yes. I think that the answers to both of that is yes. I don't think that it, you know. Or if they were, if they were not very smart, they would make them CG. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, right. Full, fully CG. I mean, right. um, munchkins, not a real thing, is it? I don't think not so. That I'm least, aware I, of. I, and yeah. And, and I think that's just from this movie type thing. Yeah. And using authentic actors is so much better than, you know, trying to use children or something like that. And all right. all of the the little people using this this movie were great, right? Yeah. And they, the ones and the ones you don't think about, the monkeys. The monkeys. That the monkeys, right? They're, the, they were the first so time good. we saw Terrifying. her interacting with one of those monkeys and just kind of moving around, I'm like, is that a marionette? And and uh Sarah was like, I don't think so. I think it's a person. And then I you see him moving around a little bit more. I'm like, maybe it's a, 
maybe it's just a normal puppet. And then later when she sends them flying and stuff, I'm like, oh, it's obviously the little people in suits. Like, they're yeah. not – they're picking people up and carrying them off. Like, they're not flying. They're on wires, but they're still – you know, they're not puppets. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, was – those are the most creepiest things. They always creep me out as a kid. Mm-hmm. And they're still, even today watching them, they're very creepy. Yeah. Um, intentionally so, right? They're they're supposed to be that way. But yeah, they they do. That goes back to the whole uh, why you CG when you can use like real people. Practical effects. Thing, you know? kind of Practical thing, effects. Yeah. And yeah. And, and real actors made that Munchkin Land scene wonderful the way it was. From mm-hmm. all of them, from the mayor to the lollipop guild to you know all of them were very <laughs> very memorable so i guess my answer to her was like yes of, co- of course they would you use real people uh talented actors and actresses to to play those roles and they should have um the i did do a little bit of reading on it that there is um that was a kind of like a traveling circus and they hired them all for that yeah they were like a professional troupe of yeah of little people yeah, which I, was like, I hope, oh, that, I hope that that's the preferred term right now. I'm yeah, attempting it's, it's not to, to be insensitive. But n- and no offense meant in any way. Again, fantastic, wonderful work that they did, and they still do. Warwick Davis, uh, I know, run used to run at least a, a talent agency for uh, little people, and he helped promote them through uh, um, Hollywood, and and uh, does still does great work with. Yeah, them. or um, um, uh, Peter Dinklage, right? Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. Yes. Um, not very far from me up, up north here is where, um, uh, Vern Troyer was from, oh, uh, right. uh, played mini me in the, mm-hmm. uh, awesome powers films. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, now I, I had sort of forgotten about this until we, we started, you know, to think, thinking about watching this movie, but of course I assume that everyone's familiar with this because I heard it probably 10 or 15 years ago. Um, There's an urban legend that this movie can be synchronized with the audio of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. You've heard this, right? I've heard it, but I've always been skeptical that it wasn't just a 60s person's trip. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll give you what quick little little highlights that I that I learned in doing a little bit of research today. And I also watched the first uh, like 20 minutes or so, probably until before she leaves Munchkin land before actually before the witch shows up for the first time and they do the whole deal with the shoes. Yeah. Um, I watched that far into the movie. So it's about three songs worth, I think of that Mm -hmm. album. Um, There are a couple of things that people point out. I, I can, I might find a better video. The video I, I linked to, the girl is super obnoxious and has all of the worst uh, YouTuber tropes. But mm-hmm. uh, the list of things, right, that people say. It's like early in the movie, there's a triangle, you know, like a farmer's uh, triangle bell to, sure. to ring ring people in. Oh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. it you know, the cover of the Pink Floyd album is the prism triangle. And it's like white light goes in and color different colored light comes out kind of thing. And I'll, I'll say before I get deeper into this, that I do think all of it is coincidence. So you don't have to, Uh, yeah, I I can, I can hear your skepticism all the way up here. Um, (laughs) I can feel it, but uh, so, so that's a thing. Um, 
there are a couple song transitions or like times when the music gets really quiet and then comes back up that Mm -hmm. uh, coincide with events on screen. Like the first time you see Miss Gulch riding the bike or um, the song uh, Money from that album with the cash registers and stuff. It starts as soon as she walks out of the house into the Oz uh, Technicolor um, um, scene. And I think there are a couple more of those later um, where the, like they're doing eclipse and it's all that you see and all that you feel like they feel the door and then they turn and they see her and she breaks the thing when they say break in the song. And so there's some of that stuff where you could be like, uh, okay, I can, I can see that. Right. Um, in, in all the interviews with uh, Alan Parsons who produced the album, or any of the band members, they're like, so "Oh, that's." What, what did they say about it? Did, they're like, like Jim Morrison say. They're like, "That's just, that's just a coincidence." Like, if you put the, um, a full album of music over any movie muted, you're bound to see stuff Something. like that. Um, you well, know, there, there's, there's your, there, there's, there's a little your... bit of, there's a little bit of confirmation bias where you're like, "Okay, well, there's nothing." You know, you spend, at least for me. I spent three solid minutes watching Judy Garland lip sync somewhere over the rainbow. And I can hear it because I've seen this movie so many times. Mm-hmm. But the music I'm actually hearing is a Pink Floyd song. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, this obviously doesn't work. But then <laughs> it gets quiet and the, a new song starts when the when the woman on the bike shows up. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a little, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know how... Whoever discovered this discovered this because I can't imagine trying to watch a movie with other music playing. That's weird. Um, yeah. You know, maybe a couple of guys were stoned and oh, I'm the, sure the movie was on TV and somebody started Dark Side of the Moon uh, at the same time and, and they just were like really then they freaking out. Then about they it. started yeah. seeing stuff like I could definitely see. You know, you know, there were moments of it that kind of were a little bit ooh, you know to me when I saw them. So. Sure, I could imagine if you're on some kind of psychedelics, it definitely it, it's uh, even amplified. It's being, so being amplified, <laughs> that's funny. But I'm glad you tried that, though. That you know, you, there, we've there's, got a little bit of a yeah. There's a simple. I mean, to me, the most obvious sort of uh, uh, debunk or whatever is that the album is only 43 minutes long. Oh, and okay. That's that's like half the length of this movie, not even. Right. Um, right. And so I'm like, what do you what do you, do you play it on repeat? You, and and, and probably probably the attention span of somebody who's completely stoned. Well, like, right, like no more than forty five minutes. Like for me, I watched it about twenty, and I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't sit here with headphones on, listening to music, reading subtitles. This movie, although I will say, I I was very aware of everything visually happening in the movie because I couldn't hear any of the movie's audio, oh, so yeah. I'm watching and like I can read all of the little things that the Munchkins are saying. Um, in subtitles where they're kind of they're singing and they're rhyming and there's all this stuff and i'm like i definitely even if i listen to it now would not understand they're using some big words um, (laughs) in there yeah they are and it's i mean again so good like i don't even know who who wrote that who should get credit for writing the songs of there but they're they're Mm. really well done they're just i mean there's there's one that that, there's only one that is always 
bugged me. It's the King of the Forest one when he, when they're waiting for the Wizard of Oz mm. and then <laughs> Cowardly Lion sings a song like, "Okay, can we can we move right past this one because it's so lame." The, the one the one that gets me is the actual uh, off to see the wizard. Oh, really? It's like it's like a modern club song in its lyrics. Like that song has <laughs> six lyrics. There's like two lines. And they're like right. a whiz, a whiz, a whiz, a whiz, a whiz. And I'm like, what? What's right? They sing it over and over and over again. Just, just not. I mean, it's the it's the transition song, so that's that's fine. Right. The thing that I noticed um, that is a thing. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but I've um, come to realize, or maybe decide recently, that the difference between um, a good kids movie and a bad kids movie, or children's movie family movie whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, let me stick with kids movie here um a good kids movie has jokes in it for the parents and a bad and a bad one like that's super super reductive but um what was it there were definitely things that they would say in the dialogue um where i'm like a kid's not gonna get this sure Um, yeah i mean some of the some of the the three uh, amigos what are they, the three her companions yeah. in their songs they'll say things like that and mention little things um rust bucket when he's rusting and stuff he says things um, yeah yeah the it's, it's very it's very is it uh again i don't want to say child or kid like in the in the um uh, the script in the dialogue which is perfect i mean it's supposed to be and it fits you know when when the witch dies she's like oh what a world what a world <laughs> like what does that even mean why would they be your last words oh what a world and then she <laughs> says she says i'm melting i'm melting who would have thought that uh, a little girl like you could have destroyed all my beautiful wickedness i'm like that is a that is so <laughs> cheesy to say right. at the end but well, it's so great it's, and, and i don't know if you'll I don't know if you'll agree with me on the on the definitions of these words, but I would call it childlike, as opposed to childish. Yes, yeah. you know you've yeah. tracking with me on that. Totally, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, we got to the end of this movie, and I didn't ring the bell. It's eighty year old story. <laughs> There's no way you haven't seen Wizard of Oz. You're fine. Um, <laughs> you know, if, I mean, if, even if you've never seen it and only know the tropes, the tropes are like clicking the heels and there's no place like home like yeah. it's the end the witch dies from water guys it right just, it happens um spoiler but they get to the two the two endings like her saying goodbye to her friends and it's that it's that kids movie kind of thing where you're like we've only seen these characters interact together for at most an hour and a half and really more like an hour right. and now they're like they've been best friends for ages they're best right? buds right. um and even I mean, in the it's, story, it's, it's like it's going through traumatic events. It's right? days and days, right? It's of course it's shared trauma. Um, but they're they're doing these lines, and they're like, you know, now now I know I've got a heart because it's breaking. And I'm so like, good. like eighty years later, I'm watching this movie, and I'm getting I'm getting teared up a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> this is so... still. And then and then you get to the end, and she's she's back, and she's like, you you and you were there, and you were there, and. Yeah. Uh, and they're all so happy for and then, her. They're, and yeah, they're they're all happy, and she's never leaving again because there's no place like home. And it's <laughs> the most like basic, cheesy kind of thing. But it doesn't matter. Like you, 
at least for me, I watched it and I, you know, got that emotional, emotional feel from it. Like it is, you know, it's funny this and I, I do not want to expound upon this, but when people say things like uh, make America great again or whatever, mm. it's that people want this idyllic life like in the Wizard of Oz that everything is, ever, you know. A neighbor wanders by the window and says, I just come to check on the little girl and see if she's okay. <laughs> and then all of the, the, the farm hands are there and they're just, golly, gee, shucks, you know, which is never, it was never, ever like that. But that's the way that everyone wants a perfect thing to be, right? And this now, movie was, it. everything felt so perfect when when she falls into the 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 pig pen a guy jumps like a hero into this <laughs> it carries out and she's she's also yeah. clean by the way there's no mud yes. in that pig pen apparently no and 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 he's like oh i'm just terrified and and it's <laughs> just you know and all of the ranch hands come together to make sure she's okay and like this is just some idyllic wonderful perfect kind of type thing which it it just is right you know the it it just is like you said it make it gives you the feels and I think that's uh, Judy Garland does a lot of that, right? Yeah, it's she. She was a big part of it. What, how old was she when she made this? Because she was I, she was at most seventeen. Okay, because I remember when I was a kid thinking her that she was a grown up, meaning like yeah. twenty or above. Yeah, and I, you know, if you had asked me, I said, "Oh, yeah, she was probably like in her early 20s. So, like to me, she would seem relatively young. But I'm, I'm looking, I'm, you know, I'm watching her on this movie, and I'm like especially when you see her face and her expressions i'm like she is she's playing younger than she is but not by much yeah she she looks like she is a really young kid and i'm like wow i didn't realize that she was that young and but she does great right i mean she does real great she's always when, has when she's singing and yeah, yeah when she's singing and she and by the way shout out goes to toto that that dog trainer or whatever <laughs> very very well trained dog yeah very he, i mean he just at certain scenes he comes and he hops up on the the as she's singing somewhere with the rainbow he just hop ups hops up on the tractor and sits there with her and then gives her a little paw i'm like that dog is fantastic mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he just walks along next side her the whole time and jumps in the right cues i'm like jeez that dog is fantastic so i don't know how many totos there were but um, no, oh hey it, the a, a dog a dog named terry earlier you mentioned uh the guy coming by the window that's um that's the wizard in the wizard. dream obviously yeah, yeah. uh yeah. but also in the in in kansas he is professor marvel do you think he's a DC or a Marvel version of that? Character? Uh, he, yeah, very funny. I, I actually liked how he he does say, which he is such a shyster. I mean, he is mm-hmm. such a shyster, right? Like he right. not only is he lying about the whole thing. I mean, everything about when you, when you really just take just take just even a second to think about this guy. Like he he's from Kansas. He says he's from Kansas. He comes here, so he's taken over control of the Emerald City. You know, right. just as this fake, fake guy. And it can't be very long because he says he hasn't been there very long. And he comes in here and now he's, he's a charlatan there. And he keeps saying, no, I'm a good man. I'm a real good man. But then he says, oh, I can't give you any of your three things, but I'll make up these completely fabricated things like a metal and, you know, and then now you have a heart. I'm like, I mean, th- you are that's, just that's you know, the. That's that's one of the big, at least to me now, just just thinking about it. One of the big like, if there are 
if there are lessons or morals in this story, um, I think that's one of them. At least for some of them, like the lion and uh, and the the other two, maybe not so much. But the sense of like, um, like perception, right? Like, oh, for sure, yeah. They think like, they're not smart. They don't think that they have they can care for somebody. Yeah, and somebody yeah. you know, somebody in the in the right place in the right time um, can can do this this small gesture. Like that's what um, that's what he does with the Tin Man. Like he gives him um, recognition, right? Right. It's like it's not it's not the same as an award. It's just this this acknowledgement that that he's that he has done good that he has true good feelings you know emotion in him and right. you know and that's enough to confirm i mean of course because it's all uh it's all a dream i mean they right. set up that was funny to watch as an adult uh the setup of those three four five characters yeah um the witch and the wizard and her three friends right um because you see like how how much did she how much did she see through his his charlatanry uh when she goes to his his caravan and it's you know it's a little bit of a a oh, stereotype right. of a gypsy there but when he when he's um, poking through her her belongings to find the NTM type to thing. find the pictures because at the time you know she's you know she buys it 100% like he's like <laughs> she's oh, totally into she's, it she's clutching her heart she's falling back on the bed and she's like oh no and you know i've got to get home right away you know but then so in her good. like in her subconscious in her dream like she sees that this guy is you know pay no attention to that man behind the curtain behind the curtain right yeah so so there oh one last thing about the the charlatan of the wizard is that how he keeps claiming that he's from nebraska but his big huge balloon says omaha on it which is Nebraska, mm, not Kansas, not right? Kansas. It says Omaha That's right true. there. I'm like, what is this dude is terrible from the um, from the state fair? Yeah. yeah. So he, the uh, World's fair. he yeah, yeah, and he comes fair. he comes two. back um, at the end as the thing and is you know super nice guy. And so here's a question: Did you think? How do you feel? Do you feel that it was all a a dream? Uh, I mean, she clicks her things and wakes up in on the bed where she got passed out from the tornado. I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason not to think it was all a fantastic dream. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, I think not until I can't, I can't imagine a a nineteen thirties Dust Bowl farmhouse surviving being lifted up into a tornado and, <laughs> well, and pl- plus it's all back like the house is back when she gets back so yeah uh, well i always, go. I, I gotta say I, I always had thought that it was just one of those like ma- magic like magic explains everything sure right? like like it was sure. all done because of magic did it and that's what you made it fantastical and it's a, it's a fairy tale story so none of it's real but it's it's meant meant to be real in universe but i after watching it this time and maybe the last time, I think that actually I don't think that it was meant to be real. I think it was meant to be a dream. Yeah. And I mean, everything, I mean, it's, I mean, from the start of it being in color, right? Like 
she yeah. goes back to her life. It's back in, in sepia tone. It's back in black and white. And um, I know when I got to the movie, I, I sent you that joking text about home being inside her all along. Uh, <laughs> but that really plays into what I said earlier about the three the three friends. Like the things that they were looking for, they had already inside of them. Yeah, they did. Right. And, and, you know, she had all those kind of things too, and how she always wanted to go home, even though she ran away, um, and, and, and loved being at home. Yeah. So this is a good movie. Yes. Like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if 100, if you, I mean, if you've listened to us talk about it, we've, I guess, spoiled it for you, but <laughs> we've if gushed you, over it. I, I assume anyone listening to us has already seen this, but if you haven't seen it in, 15 or 20 years like like i maybe have you know find a you know your kids or niece and nephew or something who've maybe not seen it and watch it again it's yeah and and this time you'll not watch it on a little tv like you were 15 years ago (laughs) you'll watch it on a a decent size normal size tv see it closer to its to its original theater experience yeah and it's it's worth it It's, it's beautiful fun all the way you know and thing about this movie is you know I've complained the last several months about long movies. This never – I don't know how it was, an hour and a half or something? Never hour felt 40. long. Yeah. It it's always felt like it was moving, no. except again for the, the Lion song. It was – It's a little over 100 minutes long. It's pretty short. Yeah. It, it was just moving, always happening. Everything was fun. And uh, the horse of a different color was one of the coolest things. I kept watching for the horse to change. Do you see it change like in the no, same no, shot? No, no. It's, it's always a cut. In it's each shot, like, it's a different color. Yeah, I remember as a kid, yeah. like, it was like a gradient. Like, you could see it changing. But Oh, no. I don't I don't think it ever was that way. But I, I, yeah, I know probably, it was, probably not. It's just how just I your, The mind of a child. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll yeah. tell you what. It's fantastic. And I kept thinking, like, man, they had to paint the horse, either a horse every day or multiple horses, paint them all different colors. and Yeah. Or, like. Maybe some stuff with lights or because so, it's very bright. Like even if they filmed it and then colored the horse digitally, like they still would have had to do that frame by frame back. I, I, yeah, I, see, I like you said digitally. They don't. They didn't do it digitally. Yeah, not digitally, but like <laughs> some some dude in a in a room with with markers or something. <laughs> markers. Like. I think they actually did. I think they actually painted the horse. Like, I, I'm yeah, I'm saying that as a joke, but that's probably right. not very far off from how. They yeah, did. that's the best thing about this. Always thinking about the 1939 thing was that everything they did here was practical. Like everything they did, whether yeah. they had to do some kind of movie magic with the like putting a uh, was it a, a screen in the background when the the lady is on her bike and going down the road with Toto. Like it's still. Her on a bike with a yeah, screen I was, behind her. I was watching that and watching uh, uh, Judy Garland and the dog sort of react to that. And I'm like, well, there's nothing there. And then I thought, well, they didn't have green screen. So no. maybe there's a projector behind them showing what they're actually looking at. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And uh, yeah, so all of that stuff is hand painted sets and, you know. Or like my, um, I, I watch this with. I watched this with my family, and I actually didn't realize that uh, my youngest sister actually played one of the the munchkins in our local civic theater oh, nice. used to, when they were still active, they would do this movie, or this movie, they would do this show, the stage version, probably like once every five years or something, uh-huh. um, because it was a good moneymaker 
for the sure. for the theater group, right? Like you get a you a bunch of kids in the cast, and then yeah. you know their parents come to buy tickets and of course all that kind of stuff. But they kept pointing out different things. Like both of my sisters have seen Wicked. I've never seen Wicked, but they're like, oh yeah, the other witches make fun of Glinda how she travels around in a bubble. Yeah, um, so good. And that that that, sh- that show is fantastic, by the way. And you can tell if you're paying attention to the right things that the audio is all dubbed over, right, when they're singing. Oh, yes, yes. And I said, I said, yeah, well, it had to be because this is 1939. They did not have a way to get microphones to people for them to sing and for the audio to sound good. They had to record the sound in a booth or, or whatever. Yeah. And remember um, the the this thing the screens were not as sharp, so you did not see nobody would have seen it anyway. Yeah, move. yeah, the, the quite. I mean, seriously, it's hard for people. Uh, there's a lot of things that with between generations in the last ten, twenty, third, or two, three generations. Sure, but but let me tell you, like the difference in video quality from from just TV and film is light years within the last 20 years like you you go back and watch cheers or something and you're like oh yeah that's really kind of blurry and fuzzy compared to anything that you watch today that's um, um so i have i have a i have a thought on that but i think we're mm-hmm. i think we're agreed on this movie yeah right? i agree like, yeah it's it's good go if you haven't it. seen it watch it if you haven't seen it in a while go watch it again go watch it again yeah. um, and, and, it, and it deserves to be watched for sure, before you pass away from this earth. I'm <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I just picked up a new podcast. Uh, it's a Max Fun show called iPodius. Okay. Uh, pod, pod with D's. Um, it is um, um, Elliot Kalen from uh, Flophouse and um, uh, John Hodgman from Judge John Hodgman, a show that I've not listened to, but... It's a it's a limited run podcast where they're talking about the BBC miniseries uh, I Claudius. Okay, did you ever see that? It's probably I have not seen that, no. a little before your time, right. even too. Um, it came up recently in I I think I saw Matt Colville mention it or something. It's a a miniseries about the first emperors of Rome, right? Beginning with okay. um, Augustus. Oh, okay, and. Um, I've watched the first two episodes of it. The first episode is double length. Um, and it's all of this, like, to me, it, it, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I fairly easy recognize things that inspired other things and not the other way around. If that makes okay. any kind of sense. Um, it's, you know, if you're seeing, if I'm seeing a thing and they're like hunger games, for example, and yeah. In the in the post, you know the uh, epilogue, they interview the author, and they're like, "What gave you the inspiration for this?" Like, well, the Romans would, you know, put people in the pit and make them fight to the death, and so I wanted to experiment with that idea and the right. wealth gap and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, "Did anybody? Was that not obvious to everyone <laughs> who watched this?" Because I'm like, "Yeah, this is obviously a super blatant uh, Roman analog here." Uh, but anyway, um, as, as things are happening in this, in this story, I could see the, um, the elements that inspired stuff like Game of Thrones and some other more modern things where 
uh, you know, people are vying for power and there's subterfuge and they're mm. divorcing and marrying to make this and stuff that happen. Was that show? It was made in like 73, I want to say. Oh, no, yeah. I didn't know. So it's, it's old 76. Older. It's older and it is, it has incredibly low budget production. If that makes any kind of sense. Like, if you've ever watched, um, th they've sort of moved away from this, uh, the BBC, or maybe just British television production in general, in probably the last 10, 20 years. Um, right. But if you see stuff from the 60s and 70s, um, like old classic Doctor Who is like this, um, there's... Um, not, not all of them are like this. Like the, the, the series, all creatures, great and small is, is very good. It's, you know, a number of, of sets, but you know, the costumes are all really good. Um, yeah. it's, you get this sense of the, the value in the production is in the performances and the writing. It's not in really good hair and makeup and sets and costumes. Oh, yeah. Not that you know it, any of it is is awful by today's standards but you you look at it and you're like oh that's that's pretty cheap and as it goes on you're like yeah they really only have like four sets that they're <laughs> maybe using in different angles and 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 stuff like that but you still you can still get for me i got a little confused with the names because there it throws a lot of names at you right at the beginning um, maybe assuming that you, that you know, a couple of them, you know, if you are, I don't a know, history buff of some sort. a history buff, or if you, whatever school you went to, you learned some of the classics and, and stuff like that. But I'm like, okay, this is her daughter. This is his, this is his wife. This is his mother. This is his <laughs> second wife. And this is his nephew. He wants his nephew to succeed him to to be emperor and his wife wants her son who is the emperor's stepson okay so he gets him to marry to divorce his wife and marry her and it's very like that kind of stuff but as it gets going you despite that you know the the relatively cheap production you st i was still engaged in the story um yeah because that was what's important. Like it's people standing around talking. Like that's what the show is about. That's what the story is about. Right. Um, you know, I didn't need like some of the stuff game of Thrones does did in the early seasons where they're just like, it's a scene with two people talking, but they got to put naked people in the background to t keep you interested. Yeah. The, they, um, there's, just, you know, sometimes you're acting and your, your dialogue can be just as good. Uh, you know, make the make the movie good itself if you've got really good writers. Well, although right. that stuff is harder, right? Like it's easier to write some dialogue and then throw a naked person in the background, <laughs> right? You know, right? Get readings. Um, there's a lot of shows like that, right? That I mean, a lot of people would say all Jane Eyre stuff, air higher stuff Eyre. is fantastic. You know, well written and amazing writing, but you that's what it's best for, right? Right? You can't 
change it to modern words or anything because that's the beauty of it. Yeah. But speaking of um, amazing shows, have you watched Harley <laughs> Quinn? <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think they've. It feels like the the last episode feels like a season finale. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's true, but it it feels that way. Well, they're so the way I understand it is that they are coming out with season two in April already. Oh wow! Yeah, that's like wow, wow, wow! Right? Like it's how the heck do they do a turnaround on that? They must have they must have had it all done before they started airing it. Yeah, I mean, had they been right? Quote, I mean, quote unquote airing it. I mean, I, I don't know how. I am not an artist, so I have no diff- idea how difficult some of these things are. I, I know that a lot of the Harley Quinn animation stuff is just the characters and static backgrounds. True. Um, and those aren't like huge, well-done oil painting backgrounds. So maybe it <laughs> right. is a, a pretty quick turnaround on these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, I, how, how are you feeling about the season so far? Like, I, we just watched Birds of Prey. Yeah, let's... And um, now we've got the... We, we did talk about the cartoon a little bit last week. And we don't need to go into depth with it, but... Yeah, let's, um, if we can, let's talk about it without spoilers for the for the ending. Um, oh, sure, yeah, that's fine. You, you get just, the, just as the whole. You get you the know. setup of the story, and we talked about, I talked about this last week when we were talking about Because there Birds is a story, Prey. like, to the whole season, right? Um, yeah, it's a, it's basically the story of um, Harley's breakup from the Joker. With yeah. The, breakup with the Joker. Um, yeah. And Quite a long, protracted, like a, a combination of a combination of that and her friendship with a poison ivy. Pam. With poison ivy, um, you know, it has it it has this weird um, juxtaposition of very real, very human um, conflict and storytelling. Right, um, mm-hmm. the character of Harleen Quinzel is a psychiatrist. Or yep. some kind of mental health professional. Um, so her story, I feel like, has always been just a wide opening for these kind of basic human uh, issue kind of kind of stories. Um, and so there's that kind of stuff, and you have all of the people in her in her team have some of those different kind of issues, and there's a lot of that mixed with some very like just i mean it's a cartoon but even for a cartoon cartoonish violence um oh, yeah it's with, just a ton. you know blood and limbs and crushed skulls eyeballs and, and, and yeah. eyeballs popping out and all this crazy ridiculous stuff and then the incredibly weird uh car thing you know what i'm that talking was, about that was unsettling the car thing that was uns- i mean the whole thing that whole thing was ridiculous of like what is this they're on a mario what kart is even track happening on this you know it's the big statues and although and- although it yeah that whole episode was so out there like she just says one line i oh, mean that that show is just so- sometimes it's so weird I, I here's something that i thought of as i was watching the last one, two okay. episodes was that it will do the the animation and what's going on in the cartoon thing doesn't always line up to what's going on with the words because they will just do something wild with the animation and then the words just kind of mention it and then they just go on like she yeah. they're like the the animation is they're going on a car chase through what looks like a video game through Gotham video game road through Gotham and she just says oh yeah um this is when I terrorized Gotham and they built Harley Highway 
And you're like, what, what, what? And then they just, that's it. That's all they say. And now they're going on this ridiculous thing and the whole dialogue. They're not even talking about how they're doing crazy loop to loops and they're talking about their emotions and how they need to get together and work as a team. And I'm like, what is even happening with this show? <laughs> it, it's pretty phenomenal how they, how it's a, a very subversive kind of, we're watching a funny comic book show, but they're talking like, you know, yeah, I mean, it's stuff. the, it's the sort of thing that I've talked about with comic book movies in that you can you can tell some serious stories if you you know don't stay in the in the dark and serious if you bring it back to to levity to humor right. um and how you balance that sort of determines what kind of what kind of movie you're making and how successful it is um well, they, this... they, you know what? It's it when you watch movies or TV shows, so, so there's so many focus on that a bad guy is a bad guy. Like even in in real life, there are crazy whacked out twenty four seven bad guys, right? But for the most part, bad guys also go to their aunt and uncles at Christmas and have brothers or sisters that they care about, and sure. they're also murderers or rapists. But they also have other kind of personal life type things. So when you tell a story about bad guys, like these guys are bad guys, but they're not like, they always talk about a kind of a line that they won't cross type thing. Remember right. there's the, the, was it the queen bee or the story fairy tale lady? Like that, that was a good episode because they talk about like they're bad guys, but they're not like that kind of bad guy. Oh yeah. That, that was sort of a running joke with, um, with poison Ivy. <laughs> yeah. Right? They're exactly. like, they're like, you're a super villain. And she's like, I'm, I'm just trying to save the rainforest. If you oh, I loved it. I love. She's basically that. an eco terrorist. Yeah, she, she's like okay. One time she's gonna go down and stop somebody from pouring oil into the ocean. She's like, all right, let's get our. I help. I'll go with you. We can get our villain on. She's like, you mean if I'm just saving the environment? Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is great. And um, all all of the. I mean, we talked about this before. All the voice acting was really good. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Alan even Tudyk. Kelly Cow or whatever her name was was fine. Uh, I think it's Cuoco, but yeah, Cuoco. Yeah, yeah, I I was a little, but she she played that character fine. Um, yeah, and I liked the other Harleys; they were fantastic. That played, you know, voiced Harley in the past. Sure, yeah, but obviously yeah, she she fit really well with this one. I am a fan of uh, King Shark. I think he was fantastic, uh, and I also like um, Kite Man. Those okay, those sure, are, yeah, those are people that that grew on me. As time goes on, I mean, the rest of them are always pretty staple. Like even King or Psycho was pretty great. Um, but yeah, the I, I the show had had some heart to it for sure, mm-hmm. and some real type things. And, and again, even in the last episode where where something no spoilers here, something comes between Harley and and uh, Ivy, and the whole time they're going to like save Gotham or do some kind of very important mission, and uh, the whole time all. Harley and Ivy want to do is talk about their relationship problems (laughs) while they're in the middle of combat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which was good. So good. So good. So anyway, I love it. I, so far all of season one was pretty great. Uh, I didn't watch it in like one beach setting. I took two at a time probably. Um, and then, uh, season two, I kind of a quick turnaround is kind of pretty awesome. You know, that show you got me on a letter. Kenny has that kind of thing too, where they keep the ball, the ball rolling. They crank that show out. And I mean, there's the episodes are short and there's very little to it. That's another show where they just use a couple of sets. 
mm-hmm. but uh uh yeah they put out like two seasons a year or something yeah yeah and you um, you know you you can get constant kind of uh media entertainment it's funny the world has turned into this you know get everything at an instant and be very fast but the the way production and stuff has not followed along with that it's become more of this like okay you need higher production production values higher bigger stuff so it's going to take longer so you have things like Battlestar Galactica that comes out once every two years or Game of Thrones that takes you know two years to come out and um before you see another another episode from one season to the next um it's nice to be able to get your you know shows that you want to see every once in a while um, yeah i mean it just depends on what it is like not everything needs to needs super high production value and that's you know the sort right and and i'd like to have to see some more of these things that that are great stories and you know acting and stuff like that and just there's some out there Um, we just mentioned a couple but uh sure well anyway if you if you have dc universe uh you should you should check out Harley and if you don't maybe you you could borrow somebody's login or something I don't know right it's definitely oh, worth watching here's something I want to talk to you about too that is with TV while we're here okay because we've been putting it off for a while but you finally did you finally get to watch the end of the Good Place yeah uh, about a couple weeks ago okay all right so hit that spoiler bell because we're going to talk about this all right there we go so. You know, I'm a grown ass man. I said the A word on on air, uh, and I, you know, what's the guy that makes these movies, these shows? Um, what's his name? Michael Sure. Sure. This guy just gets it right. He just knows what the story he's trying to tell overall. Sure. And he knows the characters that he has. Um, and I, uh, I definitely teared up at the end of that one. So, I'll say, now, you guys we're good about not spoiling it mm, it's tough except both you our buddy fox and our buddy pete all gave very high positive reaction remarks to this which is ending. probably hard for you going into it being the last person to watch it's it. hard you know i always <laughs> manage expectations but um what did what did fox say oh, no i don't think it was even fox i think it was cogswell and Cogswell, even, even he said it was fantastic. Like, I, I don't want to say he hates everything, but he hasn't he hates watched everything. <laughs> he hasn't watched a comic book movie since Superman three. Right. Uh, but he said, he said, I want the people who wrote, who, who did the good place to do the endings for everything. I'm looking for at everything. you, Battlestar Galactica and game of Thrones. Um, I thought the, the Battlestar Galactica ending was fine. I they they stuck the landing, but really everything in the fourth and fifth season was very yeah. hit or miss. Very uh, it it peaked at the end of season three yeah. for me. Uh, but, but but you get the point, like that he that yeah, is such a he, good he loved it, and so and so I I went into the season and I could see it. I'm like, okay, they're doing this, they're yeah. doing this, and then uh, like I think I um i think i mentioned you when they act when they get to the actual good place i was like oh it's an episode of original series star trek (laughs) right they've got paradise but now they're stagnant because paradise isn't fulfilling right Right. they can have whatever they want and now there's no meaning and they're just floating you know in a daze uh like zombies As, as phoebe tells you right Phoebe right, as, as Phoebe tells us. 
Um, well, the, the, you know, that's, that's uh, another great thing about the show is that they are constantly challenging a question all the time. Like, yeah. They, they challenge what is hell, wh- who is worthy, what is ethics, what is, what if you got all, it's kind of like the, 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 there's always a question that they're wanting to bring to your mind. What, what if you got everything you want? Would yeah. It be perfect, it's like, you know? it's like this funny sitcom sort of format that's constantly like throwing these big ethical philosophical questions at you, but then making a joke right away. So you don't, well, you have time to sit, you know, to sort of think about that stuff a little bit, but it's not, it's not intimidating. It's not overwhelming. I, th- I think that the key, honestly, the key to all of that, this whole show has been, um, uh, Jason Mendoza and, um, uh, Eleanor. Sure. I think the fact that all of the rest of the characters are, you know, genuine ish kind of people who say normal things and then you know, you'll get cheaty or you'll get, um, well, it's a somewhat Tahani, but Tahani, yeah. uh, to, to say a normal thing or to challenge the, the, the viewer. And then those two people say something crazy off the wall, you know, and then you're like, like you said, just totally subverted from it, but you know, they still had you talk about it. And you, even though Eleanor and Jason don't seem like the, every guy, you know, stand it, they kind of are because they're learning these things, you know, and a lot of people want to be the terrible people that they are, you know, every day. And then you're learning along as it goes and um, grappling with that kind of stuff. So at the end, when you have, um, I think what hit me is, I'm, you know, when they go there and they they make the decision that they're going to be able to die, to die mm-hmm. permanently. Right. Um, I mean, I think everyone in the world knew then that they're going to like, okay, these characters are going to die. Right. They're, it's going to happen. But I didn't want that to believe that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I thought that far ahead. I think I got to the end of the penultimate episode and said, "Okay, I'm stopping right here. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, you know, watch Brooklyn Nine Nine or something and go to bed because I want to watch it at the beginning of the night with fresh, fresh, clear frame of mind." And yeah. and so I didn't think about it at all. And then when the episode started and i don't i don't think it takes very long like i don't know no. if i even got to uh jason playing uh madden in the jacksonville stadium um because yeah, he starts doing all his fun stuff right yeah he starts doing that i'm like oh i see where this is going and yeah. then i you know i'm dealing with this in the back of my mind um you know, this expectation of like, everybody loved this, right? You, Mm -hmm. you and Pete both like watched it twice and were like, (laughs) yeah, it still holds up and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, okay, there was a moment and now I don't even remember which one it was, but there's a moment in, um, Jason's farewell that did, that did hit me, um, and made me, made me tear up a little bit. And then he's the one, one that definitely got me. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know why, why it was, but him deciding was like the most adult, crazy understanding of that. It was all okay when he decided that. And yeah. That really and they, they had been building toward that, right? Like he's had a yeah. couple moments in this last season where he explains something often using one of his ridiculous stories and it's actually perfect for, yeah. you know, which is just 
you know the culmination of his arc as a yeah. as a character um right and then i think for most of the rest of the episode i was expecting more of that mm-hmm. like i was expecting them to just one by one and of course it's not parks and rec where you've got a dozen characters to to write off write out yeah but it's four. um it's just these four and so you spend a lot of time with um with chidi and eleanor you do Tahani's thing, but then Tahani you know, was a nice little subversion that they because my my first thing with Jason was like, oh great, now they're like you said they're going to go person by person, but then right next they they don't with Tahani. They're like we're not going to they don't kill her off with with Tahani. They do all of the they do all of the the checklist things, yeah, including right. the the one with Eleanor, which was pretty funny, which is great. And she um, objectifies Eleanor. Yeah. They problematically objectify Eleanor. Um, <laughs> And so, so then by the time it got to the very end and Michael says the line and I'm like, I think it took me a minute for the, for that to click into place and the like into the universe kind of thing. And that, mm-hmm. my, my reaction was just a, oh, that was good. <laughs> it was good. Like it wasn't, you know, I mean, so many shows end badly or, sure, yeah. you know, a couple of shows I mean, the ending of BSG was a little bit like that. We're going to do this thing where I, I talk about the endings of things. Um, <laughs> the end of the, what should have been the end completely of Scrubs, because I watched mm-hmm. that show as it was airing. Um, they do one of those like uh, montage of the future kind of things, like seeing his life as it goes forward from that point Yeah. Um, over that... Uh, um, peter gabriel cover of book of love and i'm i i I think that when i saw it the first time i was just sobbing um because because i had gone along with these characters for eight plus years of of my you know 20s yeah um and this didn't have any of that kind of strong emotion it was just satisfying the the now, obviously, for me, there was a lot of things, but I think, you know, it's it's everything's for each person and how they deal with it. Some of that also is how you did it, how you watched it, environment, a lot of that kind of stuff. For me, you said like you broke it up. I, I didn't. I watched it um, like I binged the last four episodes, I think, at least. Sure. Um, and because it was one of those I, I didn't want to stop and I and I was on the emotional roll mm-hmm. um, when 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 I decided when I figured out that they were going to have to go through the thing, you know, when, when the good place happened and he, re, you know, they had to make up rules and they were figuring out like that they have to, well, when Phoebe, when Phoebe talks about her stuff being good and like, Oh, they're yeah. all going to die. Like I mean, that's the, when I realized that I'm like, I have to watch the rest of this. I mean, I know it's coming now. I can't let it sit in my mind and then be okay with it. I have to deal with these emotions kind of right now. Um, and it's funny cause Sid went in the other room and she was, she, she wanted to break it up. And I was like, I can't believe you could do that because um, I wanted to resolve the emotions that I knew were, were happening, which is what for me made it so satisfying was that, mm. you know, three, three episodes to the end, I know where they're going with this. And it is like the best way I describe this is Sid and I were talking about it with my 13 year old, even like, you know, sometimes people when they pass away you know it's coming right sure. with cancer or things bad things and it's a extremely 
difficult thing to deal with for people and anyone in the world. And you can't even describe how that would be. And I hope that I never have to deal with that. But, you know, you, most people do uh, a grandparent or something and and it happens. And this was one of those things where you felt like someone you cared about was going to was going away and there was nothing you could do about it. And there's nothing you should do about it except try to accept it and learn and come to peace with it. And that's what they, this show I think gave you, we had all of the seasons getting to love these characters. And then this show gave you the time in an episode and said the words that you needed to say to kind of come to peace. And I think a lot of that was also, um, uh, Janet, when she would say, you know, she'd always come to them and say, you can sit here at the bench, take as long as time as you want. She was so calming mm-hmm. and caring. She's very much like a, a real caring nurse or doctor who's like, you know, mm-hmm. you can spend as long as you want with them. It's okay. You have your feelings. And, and it really felt like they, you were transitioning and grappling with the, the concept of death, which is what this show does, right? It's making you yeah grapple with these very, very difficult things from people you really care about. Um, so yeah, that's when I left and the, when the show was over and I got up and done, the feeling I have was that it was closure that this show had a full ending to anything I could want. And even the answer is I can't get everything because it's not about me. You know, it's about passing away or whatever. So um, that's what made it so great in in my mind. But like you said, for everybody, it's, it's their own. And I'm sure Pete would say his own way, why he liked it. And sure. It, I mean, it took me back in a lot of ways to the last season of parks and rec. Um, mm-hmm. just yeah, Parks and Rec, yeah, a, a couple months ago, finished rewatching that with my parents, with my family. Good example. And, and that was same, same kind of thing. I mean, except without the, you know, heavy sort of, but of course that's the theme of this whole show. Yeah. Um, I agree this, with that. Parks and Rec you know, had a whole season of With Parks away, and Rec, right? it was much more like, these are these people and they had this time and now here's where they, here's where they go from there yeah um, yeah the, the you know it's what's nice is that uh michael Schur has been given either given or chosen the length of his shows right like we, we you and i have talked about tv shows uh, that will go on past their prime because of whatever reasons they make them go on and you're you're, you're telling good jokes keep telling good jokes or you're got a good mystery keep take, making mysteries yeah but i it think seems like some his of shows the... have lived a life and then it's time for them to end, and he makes the ending. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that um, whoever networks and, and production houses or whatever have come to, at least I hope, get a better sense of, like, stuff doesn't have to... It's it's okay for something to end. And maybe part of that is just that there is so much, there's so much now being yeah. made all the time that you're like, you know, we can put something else in that slot and people will love that too. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really, that's a really key component. I'm glad you said that. Like the thing with game of Thrones, I actually, I, I like to think about that one is that, you know, it's, it's a realistic fantasy type world. You, there's no reason you need to drag that out to like 15 seasons when you can just tell the story and then do another show in a different world with a realistic fantasy setting. The, yeah. The, the lesson of game of Thrones seems to be don't start a super high budget, super, you know, record breaking production 
value cost fantasy show based on a book series that's not done. That's not done. <laughs> that's that's the key, right? Well, that's everything, right? You've said that before. Is that you know make sure you're ending that you know where you're going. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't think Michael Sure with his things knew where he's specifically going, but I think at some point he did. Like at some point. He's like, okay, this show has got to end. And then I'm sure he sat down and thought, okay, how does this end? Yeah. Well, I've probably talked about this uh, on the show before too, but I watched How I Met Your Mother, which is mm-hmm. another, yeah. oh, another yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, stage sitcom with a fairly subdued uh, audience. I think mm-hmm. they tape the episodes and then show them to an audience. So oh, okay. the, the laughter reactions are, are more subdued because they don't. The actors can't pause, right? It's yeah. not in real time. Um, but that show ran, I don't know, like six or seven seasons. I watched it mostly as it was airing. Um, I was in my late 20s when I watched that, so I was pretty close in age to the characters mm-hmm. and so could sort of identify with some of their struggles, some of their stories as they went through. And if you know anything about the show, it's told in a frame, Right. Bob Saget is narrating for the main character, which is kind of weird because he's already an adult, but um, he's telling the story to his kids, right? So you know that it's all being told in flashbacks from the future. And then when you get to the finale of the show, there's a whole scene in that frame where you've normally just seen uh, the two kids sort of reacting to him talking. Um, they have a scene with him at the end of the series. And so even though at the time I was very frustrated by the ending, um, I realized that that had to have been their plan from the start because the, the kids quote unquote are like 14 and 16 or something like that. Yeah. And so they obviously filmed that footage back when they started because the kids aren't any older. Um, and so then you have this weird thing where like, so for the last eight years, he's been telling this story and it's supposed to have taken like an evening or something. Um, (laughs) and, and that's weird, but, um, yeah, that's the kind um, so I'm like, well, they did all this stuff in between. And if you watch it, like our, our buddy Pete made this observation, like you can tell that some seasons they were working toward maybe getting to that ending there and, you know, you know, being almost done. And then when they got picked up for more seasons, they would, you know, put another kind of story in between kind of, kind of thing a little bit like, uh, which is unfortunate because really what they should do is, is that say, thanks, but no thanks. We're, we need to end it here. Cause I think some writers and actually the creative directors and producers do that themselves. I know that's gotta be a hard thing to say, stop giving me money, but sure. Well, it's the, um, it's Ross and Rachel, except you haven't met Rachel, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. So you can have just just anything in between because, uh, well, I won't spoil the ending, but um, right. So I don't even. I mean, know. They, I, they, I don't. They, I don't know how to. They, I don't know how to say any more about that without spoiling well, the they, ending. But. They, I mean, they had the bookends because I, I don't. I didn't watch all the show, but I know the ending and I know the setup of the things. But they they had the beginning and they had the end, sure. But the the middle, 
I mean, there was no, there was no middle, I guess it was all middle was just a bunch of fluff that they could have gone from the beginning into the end. Right. Right. Um, and, and I think a show like the good place did a beginning, a middle and an end. I think that, that maybe one extra season they could have taken out, but for the most part, sure. it, it was a straight thing. And it, parks and rec did not have a beginning, middle and end, but, um, no. But I don't know. I don't know. When you kind of look back at it, a lot of the characters took several years to get to where the point where they, they ended up at. Um, yeah. I mean, it just it just depends on what you what you want to try and do. Right. Like the the main story in, in that case was not the 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 bookend relationship. Well, yeah, the main story was the bookend relationship. But the point that was not the point of the show. That was yeah. the hook to get you like wondering like what's so in all the crazy hijinks and and interpersonal relationships conflicts and jokes and whatever that happen week to week um the hook that keeps you coming back that keeps you wondering that keeps the main character uh driving and moving forward is th- is this bookend at the end you know he's going to get there eventually but the the essence of the show that you're watching that you're enjoying is is everything else that, that is. happens in between and yeah it, it yeah. it's it's episodic so um you know it's, i mean all, all the shows from beginning of long time ago were that were made to be episodic the best ones quote unquote here had had a a through line story that that's the the hook right that's the right. thing that always got you going yes you could watch cheers forever but really you want to see if sam and diane are finally going to get together right you know uh, because that's the real thing to keep coming back and to watch it again this week. Cause you might miss or something. So yeah. The, and, and I think that a lot of the, the Michael Schur show shows um, really deal with the plot line throughout, you know, for the most part. And then they do end them on a, on a good, you know, where now I'm, I'm, I'm watching Brooklyn nine, nine and I, I haven't figured out. That, does he, I, I don't, he do that show? I don't think it. Yeah, it's it's more like Parks and Rec, where it's just stuff happens every just week, stuff happens. and they do that. They do the documentary uh, camera style. Yeah, and I haven't figured out a word for this, but one of their cold opens, the characters make a joke, and they do the thing with the camera where it's a handheld camera, it's focused on a character, and then it'll zoom in just a little bit, probably like if you imagine the camera's actually moving, it's like the camera moves in like between four and six inches it's it's almost like if you're listening if you're watching if you're sitting with someone they're telling a story and you lean in a little bit yeah um it's that it's that kind of feeling but of course they use it for uh comedic effect um right in that yeah i i've heard good things about that show from a lot of people i uh I think I watched like two episodes. It's, it's got to be one of those ones you have to watch for a while to grow on you because I got only got two episodes. And I was like, it's okay, but I didn't it's, find anything. I mean, it's it's silly, like like moments of Parks and Rec were, and it, you know, it depends on how much how much Andy Samberg you can handle. Yeah, that, that's the thing is I'm not a huge Andy Samberg fan, but I also was not a, a big Amy Poehler fan. No, either. right, same. Yeah, yeah. So so I totally can be changed by a lot of stuff. Um, well, we have a lot more to talk about we'll just have to move things on yeah we we ran a little hey, long next next what's week our, we'll talk uh, what's about our next week's movie next week's movie yeah i said this earlier it's blade runner the original oh yeah blade runner i might yeah, I that, might also go watch 2049 again i know we talked i, about I might if i get time to, to watch that one of our hey, early episodes i know this is kind of callback um 
to the, to this, but when we were talking about Wizard of Oz, I, I will say that I, I mentioned that I watched it with a nine year old. We were on such a good like family high type thing of it. We went and watched Annie afterwards, another mm. show that I don't think is on this list, but it was it had the same kind of great, wonderful feeling. Sure, you know. So I like we just started watching shows back to back that were this young positive idealistic type stuff and like there's a lot of those out there that I, more than i thought you know that they were out there and yeah. we so many so many times we watch these dark and dreary shows like <laughs> country no country for old men or even yeah. 2001 a space odyssey you know watching things like wizard of oz our our show this week was really refreshing yeah i try um, to mix it up between uh something more challenging and something that's more uh just entertaining feel good kind of thing so yeah, and, and uh, Blade Runner is dark. It's yes. dark. Yeah, yeah. I've the I've not seen it all the way through. I've seen most of it in bits and pieces. Same here. But same. Uh, yeah, yeah, the I, I it'll be good for me to watch it all the way because I have not watched it all the way through. Um, and I, you know what? Maybe I have. We'll find out because I, if I remember correctly, I, I was left at the end thinking like, is this is that all that's rest of the movie? Is there more of this movie? Yeah, um, so it's I maybe mean, I missed it or didn't miss it. We'll see. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where it's a, a large part of the point is just the spectacle of it, just the visual uh, sort of spectacle. I don't. I know we said we sort of said something to that effect when we watched Twenty Forty Nine, but uh, oddly, oddly enough, we'll I was stumbling through this on Netflix, and it you know how when you hover over it at Netflix, it uh, shows you the little bit of a clip or something from mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. and I just it had to have been just this last week and hovered over. Um, uh, Blade Runner. It's it's funny that you we picked this one, um, but uh, man, Harrison Ford is young there. It's like eighty two or eighty three. Yeah, yeah. But that Sydney said that's it. She didn't even see him. She was like, "Is that Harrison Ford?" I said, "Yep." She goes, "I just tell by his voice." And she looks over. She goes, "Nobody acts the way he he reacts to people." I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, he's just he's such a one of a kind actor." So this this show is another Harrison Ford to watch, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, and I, I like him, so I'm looking forward to it. Cool. All right. Cool. Blade Runner. Yep. And then next week we'll talk about maybe uh, some video game stuff, um, maybe more board game stuff. Yeah, we need to spend know. some we'll time see. on uh, uh, this um, NVIDIA uh, system and Stadia. Sure. We, this, some, we this should have some conversation. Stream, about that. Streaming thing. It's our early days yet, but yeah, because yeah. they're they're uh, you know they're talking about PlayStation Five this year too, so. Yep, PlayStation Five and whatever Microsoft's doing with their stuff. Yep. Yeah. So you know, got to start talking about it. E three will be right around the corner. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, good, good. Yep, we got it. R- Saved at least up. three lives with that Wizard of Oz piece. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode one hundred and thirty-one. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role playing or Star Trek role playing, check out our other show. It is called Klingons and Dragons. That's at KlingonsandDragons.com. If you want to reach out to us, tell us all of your favorite moments from Wizard of Oz or uh, tell us which which director's cut of Blade Runner we should watch. Uh, you can oh, email yeah, us. Oh, yeah, there's a couple, right? It, we, yeah, which one yeah. are we watching? What are, which one are we watching? That uh, Just... I'll, I'll find out and I'll, mess, I'll text you. Uh, that email address <laughs> is frontporchpod at gmail.com. Over on our website, frontporchpodcast.com, we have contact forms, comment boxes on every episode, the schedule for the 100 movies, show notes when appropriate. 
If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Thank you.